All right, so hey, we're going to do a little uh, review before we get into it today, but I want to talk about on your notes there, you see it's uh, the titles Wholeness Equals Holiness. And I know holiness kind of makes you go, yeah, doesn't it? I mean, the, you know, the word holiness. Oh, we should probably do offering too. All right. All right. So let, let's edit that tape and start later. Um, so let's pray and prepare our, our tithe and offerings. Um, yeah, we kind of need that to run the church. So, um, you know, God's, is God faithful to anyone in here? If, if God's been faithful to you in your finances and providing for you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to see if, if it's true or not. God's been faithful to you? Okay. Awesome. So let's pray. Father, Lord, you saw our hands up. You're an awesome God. You're faithful. You're true. Um, You're always there for us, God. You never leave us nor forsake us, God. You're the God who provides. In fact, that's part of your name. So Lord, we thank you for providing for us. And God, we today just ask a blessing on this uh, small 10% that we give back to you, God. We want you to bless it and use it for your kingdom, Lord, so that more people can come into a relationship with you and have eternal life in them um, forever. So God, we ask that in Jesus' name. And so we believe it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk, get into holiness a little bit today um, and as, a, as a number one step or principle to walk in wholeness. And remember, wholeness is really about the abundant life, right? So we're, we're learning to walk in the abundant life that God has for us. Now, when we sang some songs today, do you ever sing a Christian song and think, you th- it sounds good and, and you, you like the lyric, you know, and, it, and it's biblical too, but you, you just think, that's not really happening in my life. Anybody? Just me? Yeah. You, you sing a song, you're, you're, you're standing in faith, you're wanting to believe what the song says, and you know it's true, and you're believing it, but then in the back of your mind, you're fighting that thought of, but you know, that's not happening right now in my life. Isn't that a tough spot to be? We're going to get into that a little bit today. So as we review really quickly, on your notes there, we see that... Um, <coughs> We see that we looked at sozo. Remember the word sozo? What did that mean, everybody? Saved, healed. delivered, healed. All. Remember how full that word was? Healing, deliverance, rescue, protection, uh, to prosper you, or to make you whole. So it's a very big word that we dove into last week and looked at. So if you didn't hear last week, please get that on the podcast and listen to it. Next, we looked at... Um, the concept of wholeness, huh? Sozo. We just said that sozo. We just said the definition of that. Yeah. So healing, deliverance, rescue, protection, prosperity, wholeness. We, and then we looked at the concept of wholeness about many small parts being put back together as one. And there, next to your notes, the fill in the blanks, part of the concept we learned last week was this. The process, wholeness, is the process of taking what was broken and putting it back together. And in Christ, when he came to the earth, he provided salvation for us, which was the process or the act to help us that were broken in several pieces. Unable to uh, be whole, he gave us the ability to be made whole. Are you with me? So really, wholeness... The pursuit of wholeness is really uh, getting pieces in the process of taking broken pieces and putting them back together. And I put in your notes again the three circles because I want you to write in there again, and this is something that you've got to get in your hearts. I want you to write in the first thing next to God is spirit. So you 
put spirit or write whatever you want there to remember that. Soul in the middle and then body on the right. And we talked about this last week, uh, but, but just a quick review because we have to get this concept down of the spirit-soul-body connection. Do we remember that? Because these have intense meaning in our life and, and, and it, it's uh, foundational to us understanding how to live in wholeness. If we're going to live in the abundant life that God's promised us, if we're going to live with all the promises of God flowing through us, all of God's nature, character, love, all that flowing from himself into our spirit man through the vowel, valve of the soul into the body. And I wish I had a big water valve. You guys know what a valve is, right? You know, two ends and a big thing in the middle where you turn it and turn the valve off or on, right? And I want you to draw a little picture of a valve if you can. I, wish, I should have put a picture up there, but draw a picture of a valve. And basically it's a pipe like this, two ends, and then a turning handle on the top. And that valve controls what gets through. And you are the guardian over that valve. You are the one who controls the soul area. God has given you free will. He's allowed you to determine how much water you're going to let through the valve of your soul and into your body and into the world. Very critical for us to understand. Because remember, the spirit, remember on the spirit man is made 99% perfect at rebirth. Is that true? A hundred, right? It's, well, it's either not a hundred or a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. The spirit, when you're born again, the Bible says in, in Corinthians that your spirit and God's spirit become one. You are one with God in spirit. So this, this, this adventure and journey to wholeness has already been completed in, the, in your spirit, which is amazing, right? Now, if we could just get it to the rest of us, it would be amazing, right? So that's the journey we're on. We're saved. Once you confess Jesus and you say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, that it was for me. You went down, you paid for my sins. I confess that. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you. And I believe in Jesus' name that you died for me. You are born again. You got to confess his name and believe and you're born again. And once you have faith for that, it's done. Boom. Instantaneous done. Now, at the same time, how many of when you got saved were, if you were, let's say, bad in math, were still bad in math? <laughs> right? Okay. If, if, if you still couldn't control the ice cream scoops before you invited Jesus in, was it a lot easier right away to, <laughs> three weeks in a row, I'm going for it. I brought up ice cream three weeks in a row. This is awesome. You can tell my battle, right? But was it easier after Christ? No, sometimes, yeah. You know, I've known people, and this is the one thing I want to point out, is there are some people who have been, when they got saved, got instantly delivered of some things. Um, a pastor friend of ours, Bob, he got instantly delivered of alcohol, uh, alcoholism when he got saved. I mean, radical, total alcoholic. I mean, he got saved and never touched a drop since, and he's, and he's still pastoring, um, actually, in Roseville. And so there, that happens, and that's good, and that happens to different degrees. In some of our lives, as we get saved, some things just stop. However, for the most part of us, and even Bob had more than just that alcoholic thing to work on. That was a big deal, and God dealt with that. But he's, God's dealing with him throughout his whole life. 
to get him sanctified and have him to become whole. And that's what we're talking about, church. We want to be whole. So your spirit there in the first circle is made perfect. Your soul, remember, was your mind, will, and emotions, right? That's the makeup of who you are. God gave you a free will in your soul that is the most powerful thing in the universe because that's the only area and we're the only beings, created beings, that have the right to say what we wanted. Angels, other created beings did not have the right to make the choice. We've been given the right. So we have a free will to choose God or to not choose him. And as a father, he's longing and he's done everything he can do to make it obvious that we should choose him. So in our will is the valve that you've drawn there on your notes, if you can, a valve that allows the goodness of God and the spirit and the fullness of God and the spirit to get through to your body. Remember, we talked about the body being slave to the mind. And we talked about the body only responds to what happens in the middle circle. Are you with me? So if you want something to change in your body, you might want to start, stop looking at your body and the things of this world and get into your soul and go, okay, God, what needs to change in here? Because the body is a direct representation or an equal sign to the spirit or the soul. The soul equals whatever's happening in the soul is going to be happening and, and put out in the body. A lot of us look at um, healing or our, our, our current situation in life, and we focus on that situation, whether it's relational whatever, spiritual, you know, financially, whatever it is, and we get all concentrated on that giant in our life. And we put all our attention on it, we try and fix it and change it, and we're working so hard in the flesh to try and fix that, when that's not the problem. We're like putting band-aids on a large wound, or trying to plug a dam with our fingers, right? If that's not the way you should do it. You should, oh man, there's a big problem here. Let me go to the source which is the soul, get it fixed in the heart of, your, of yourself, and then that will naturally produce wholeness in your body. Okay, we're going to look more into that um, in the next couple of weeks, or actually next week's going to be specifically on how that link goes from the soul to the body and healing and health. So that's going to be a fun one. But today, I want to give a quick review of that, uh, of those circles. Now take, you know, Take those home, look at them. Please don't just come to church for 30, 40 minutes and worship and then listen to the sermon and then put your notes somewhere and don't use these guys. I'm not up here teaching because I like to talk. I don't really care to talk, but I love to preach truth. I love to, to convey what God says in his word in a way that we can understand it and it can change our life. And so these notes are to help you go back and study even more so in the word and examine your own heart and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to show you things you need to adjust and change so that you can start producing more of God in your body. So if we want the church to grow, right, that would be a picture of the body, right? So instead of going, oh, we need, to, we need to do a carnival, and we need to do this, and we need all the external stuff, which none of that's bad, but why don't we look in the soul and go, wait, what, why would someone else want to come to the church here? What can we do in our hearts? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Okay, that's, I don't want to get sidetracked. So are you with me? So that's, that's your thing to look at, the soul-body connection. I want you to look at that, pray on it. If you have questions, talk to one of, we have a lot of pastors in this church and a lot of good leaders. We do. I'm, they're, 
there's three right there. Four, sorry, forgot about you. The, these two, these two are getting ordained with me in September. So all three of us are getting ordained at the same time. It's going to be fun. All right, so the next on your notes I want you to look is the, the basics of a bubble, a bubble, a biblical covenant. Now, we've all heard of covenants, and I'm sure you've had some uh, teaching on this in your past, but I want to go over just the basics. It's simple. We're not going to get into this very deep, but this is so important to know what a covenant is and how it relates to you as a Christian because this is the basis of how you can have the confidence and the faith to walk in the abundant fullness that God has for you. Okay? Are, are, are you, you Remember that verse. Jesus didn't come to bring death. He came to bring life and that you might have that life more abundantly. That means superseding anything you can ask, think, or imagine. So, and not just in one area, in every area in a circle. So every area, spiritual, soul, body, everything you can comprehend in every way, in every direction, God wants you to have an abundant life. So the basic premise of a covenant is the, word, is the Hebrew word bereath, which means to it means a contract or an agreement between two parties. That's the simple definition of a covenant. And we're talking Old Testament first to lay the foundation. And the root, the root word in your notes there, barab, it means to cut. So in the root of the word for covenant or agreement or contract is the word to cut. And we know in the Old Testament... What they would do in the covenant was part of their ceremony would be that they would take a sacrifice, cut it right down the middle, and separate the animal. Okay? In two halves, facing each other. And you can imagine if you got a bull or a ram or whatever they were using, there would be a lot of blood. Right? So I want you to, I know it's kind of gross, but it's kind of powerful once we get here. I want you to picture that God and Abraham with an animal cut in half and all this blood. And so I want to talk about the, the basic ingredients of a covenant. And there's a lot more. There's probably nine, some 12. There's, there's a lot of parts of the covenant that people did in their steps on it. We're not going to cover all those, but quickly we're going to go over just some elementary parts of it so we can get a grasp of what kind of covenant or agreement or contract we have with God. Do you know that if you are saved, you are in contract with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a covenant or a testament. You have the new covenant or the new testament. You are in a contract. You are in agreement with God about your life. So this is important to know. So listen to some of these things. So number one there was the pre-ceremony. So before the, you would consider a covenant, you would, you would think of several things. One of the things you can write down there is you'd count the cost. So, and, and secularly, this went on before biblical covenants were on there. This was done throughout history in different ways. But a common thing would they would go, hey, count the cost. Is this worth it to me? They would weigh out the advantages and disadvantages. Okay, I want to make covenant with Will. Okay, well, how, you know, what does your bank account look like, Will? You know, do you have any RVs? You know, how many kids you got? You know, how many, is your family big? You got enough warriors? You know, you would find out, like, is it, if I'm going to go in covenant with Will, I got to find out uh, what does he got? What benefit is that going to be to me? If in, a, in the old days, I would want to go, hey, you, oh man, he's got 10 sons and man, 150 people in his little, 
wow, if that added on to my 100, we'd be 250 strong. That would be safe. So we come into a covenant for multiple purposes. So, but you come in to see the advantage, or, or I put the ROI, return on investment. You're going to invest in something. You want to know, what are you getting out of this? What is this going to cost you? What are you going to get out of it? What's your return on investment? You've got to put in time. Actually, when you go into covenant, it was a serious, serious agreement, and you couldn't back out of a covenant. Once you made the covenant, done, sealed. Doesn't that sound a lot like the marriage covenant? right? Very similar. The covenant is, the marriage is a covenant. It's an agreement that you are not supposed to back out of. It's supposed to be an everlasting agreement between two people. And so we see that, that in the pre-ceremony, they would count the costs, advantages, disadvantages, and return on investment. Is this a good idea? And then secondly, I want to talk about the, uh, the sacrifice, so what they called it outside of external biblical uh, times was the walk unto death. And the walk unto death was when the two parties would walk through the split sacrifice with all the blood on the floor. Greg, will you stand up real quick? He's like, oh man, I'm not ready for this covenant, man. You mentioned blood. I know, right? Yeah. So first they would, they, they would go back to back, okay? They would be standing in between the two pieces of animal on this, and blood would be everywhere. Their feet would be all messed, right? So then they would walk out, so take steps out. They would walk out, do a figure eight. So you go this way. No, 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 no. You go back this way, you do a figure eight through the pieces. Yeah, so they do a figure eight where they would, sta- they would end up facing one another, standing in the blood, and then they would start calling and talking all the agreements oaths and promises in their contract and what would happen if they break it okay thanks Greg so imagine you and God you and Jesus Christ standing in his blood that he shed for you and you have and you have the Bible you have all these promises of God and everything in the New Testament and even in the old transmits into the new some of it does that gives you the contract that you have with Jesus. So when you pray and you pray in the word, you're not just praying the Bible. You're praying God's covenant words that you stood face to face in his blood. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, in those times, uh, outside of biblical, they would, they would typically stand there and they would proclaim things that each person would do. And then one of the things they would do, because they were in the blood, is they would say, and so if you break this covenant, may what happened to this animal happen to you. So there was a, if you broke covenant, it was serious stuff. It wasn't just like, oh, now you have bad credit, you broke your covenant today, you know, whatever. No, big deal. So now, if my person, if, sorry, Greg, if Greg broke covenant with me, I could pursue him and kill him and be totally justified. (laughs) Totally justified. So if they broke covenant, and so why did they do that? Because they wanted to have a sure agreement. They wanted to be confident that they they were doing a lot because when you went in covenant, everything I have is now Greg's. Everything. That means my bank account. My resources, 
my time, my family, my food, everything I have. If Greg's in need, I have, there's no choice in the matter. It's not like I can, well, Greg, you know what? This week I can't do you. I can't help you out. No, we're in covenant. If I'm, if I, there's no bread, if I got one loaf, he comes over, we split the loaf. I don't go, no, my family needs a whole loaf, Greg, your family's out. No, we're in covenant, and so whatever is his is mine and mine is his. Sounds a lot like marriage. You're equal. Her body's not her own, his body's not your own. It's equal. Everything she has is yours and vice versa. Big deal, church. Big deal. Standing in the blood. They would call out, and, and the pagans would call out to their deity, right? They would call out to a higher power, and they would call on that higher power to be kind of judge over the covenant. So that the higher power, so they would call out those oaths in front of God, and so that if they didn't hold them, then that powerful God or deity, pagan God, would curse the other person. And so that person would get all the curses of the covenant, or if they did and kept covenant, they, the God would make sure they got all the blessings of the covenant. So it was based on blessings and curses. So if you broke it, no good deal. If you kept it, you had the right for everything that that other person has. Now think of that with your Heavenly Father. Oh, man. You're in covenant with the Creator, church, and you have the guarantee of the blood of Jesus that you're standing on. And look at what this says. So, go to Hebrews 6, 13. Hebrews 6, 13 gives us a picture of this. They're talking about the covenant. <laughs> They're reflecting on the covenant between Abraham and God, Right? And listen to what they say, starting in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 6. It says this, for example, so the New Testament writer is saying, hey, example time, let's talk about the Old Testament. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. What is a promise? A covenant. They were talking about covenant language. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. So remember, we have a covenant. The pagan people would call on their false gods, small g's, right? But now, man, the man Jesus. So who's standing in the covenant? Jesus, the man, who stood in our place as the mediator, right? He's our representative. Many times in the, the pagan culture, they would send a representative to do the ceremony of the thing. So our representative was Christ stood in, right, the place of sacrifice as representing fully man and fully God, right? And then the Father is in the other place as God. And so God's saying, look, I'm, I, can't, I can't call in another God because God wanted us to be sure about this covenant. So typically what the covenant people would do is say, okay, you know, the God of whatever, son, he blah, blah, blah. You, you, you oversee this. So God said, well, I can't call anyone greater than me because he's the highest, right? He's the best. He's, there's no one like him. So God said in there, he said, since there is no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. So what is he saying? He's, they're doing blessings and cursings, right? 
Uh, number three there, sorry, I forgot, those would be oaths and promises. That's kind of what we talked about, so in your notes. That's where they would talk back and forth in the ceremony about oaths and promises that they're going to make. Blessings and cursings. So down to verse 15, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God has promised. Abraham received what God has promised. Yes, Lord, thank you for reminding me. The Holy Spirit just reminded me. Did you see what it just said? Abraham, did he, he received what God had promised. I want you to know this, that in covenant relationship with God, there's two parts to it. There's parts that you're believing to receive before you die. And there's another part of the covenant that you're standing in faith to receive after you die. Okay? A lot of people take the covenant promises and they only do the after part. You have the right, and God wants you to take this right and attitude, you have the right to receive God's covenant blessings within this lifetime. Okay? There's a, there's a lot of teaching out there that will confuse that, and, and one of them, a big one, is healing. A big one is healing, because a lot of people say that, well, I'm going to get my ultimate healing in heaven. Have you ever heard that? Has anyone ever heard that? Yeah. I've heard it. Actually, I've probably said it a few times. And, and since then, God's corrected me, because... He showed me that Abraham, what did Abraham get? What was one of his promises he got? Children, and specifically his son, right? Isaac, right? Yeah, so he got a lot of stuff. But in his lifetime, he was believing for a child because he couldn't have a whole nation until he had a son. So he had to have the son before the nation. But he didn't see the fulfillment of the whole nation but he saw the fulfillment of the promise, which was his son. Okay, So he received his promise from God in that lifetime, and then he was waiting his whole life, believing he died, never receiving this promise of the nation, because he didn't see that. But he got it later after standing in faith the whole time. That's an important concept to understand. So then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. So I want you to know today, right now, because there's people in here, that I want you to start changing your mindset to where whatever you're believing God for, start believing in faith that you can receive it before you die. When my, when my mom's in a huge battle right now. She has staged whatever, five, whatever high it goes, she's got it. And she's going to die unless God shows up. That's the world's report. That's what the doctors say. That's what you would think if you saw with your eyes, but... Fortunately, as Christians, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, right? So in that report, I would agree, yeah, that looks like it in the worldly report. Just like the report about the promised land came back. God had already given them the land. It was theirs. They had to go take it. It was theirs. But the report came back that was evil, by the way that said, no, we are unable to take the land. Was that a lie? Yeah, it was lie, and it was wicked. But yet they came, they took the land later, after 40 years after that whole generation died, and then Caleb Joshua got to go in and take it. Today, church, there's someone here, I want you to start changing your mindset, because the enemy's tricked you into believing that you're not going to get your promise that you're believing for. The enemy's been in my mind trying to trick me, and whether my mom dies or not is irrelevant to the point of God's word. Are you with me? I want you to catch this. Whether my mom makes it or not has nothing to do with how I'm standing in faith and trusting God's word. 
Okay, so that, that is irrelevant. God's word is what lasts forever. I'm going to trust and believe his word and not believe the reports that don't agree with God's word. I am in a covenant with God. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who not just heals people. He said, Jehovah Rapha, he is healing. And I can call on that covenant, church. You can call on that covenant by faith and trust God because he swore by himself. I want you to see the confidence you can have when praying. Listen to this. Verse 16, now when the people took an oath, or now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. We talked about that. And without any question, the oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing his mind. You're in covenant with him, and what he said in his word is true. It's not changing. And it's not changing based on your circumstances or your time or your culture or what you believe or don't believe or what religion you're in or what. It doesn't matter. His word is the established truth. It's never changing. So God made the promise and oath by, swore by himself so that you and me could be very confident that he would never change his mind. So God, in verse 18, has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hope to the hope that lies before us. I want you to pause there. That word hope is the Greek word ellipse. And that Greek word is not the hope you and me think about. Because I want you to get the correct idea of hope when it comes to believing in faith. Hope to us in this culture is kind of like a lottery. I hope I get that. I hope I win the lottery. Wouldn't that be cool? Your chances in winning the lottery are one in a lot. That is not hope. That's not biblical hope. Our, the, the English language in our culture has turned that word into hope as maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I'm going to hope it happens, but I don't know. Okay? That's the world hope. Biblical hope, that Greek word means this. It comes from Aleppo, which means to anticipate or welcome. So it has an anticipation in it. And then the word actually means an expectation of what is sure. An expectation of what is certain. That is biblical hope. You are expecting something to happen surely. It is going to happen. It's not a question of if or maybe or what. It's a hope knowing. The only way, the only way we can relate in our hope is that it, if you're hoping and it just hasn't happened in the physical yet, that's, you're still in hope. It's not a whether or not it's going to happen or not. It's a matter of when you're going to see it manifest in this realm. Because when you pray in faith and ask God, he answers according to his word right when you do it, right? When you got saved, are you still waiting for him to save you? No. Why? When did it happen? Right when you prayed. You prayed in faith. He didn't say, yeah, I love you a lot, but you know what? Give it two or three weeks. 
I'm not quite ready to commit to you. I'm going to see how you do. Why don't you try and be a Christian for a month, and then we'll see if I can really save you. No, God didn't do that. And then the Bible tells us that in the same way we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, you and me need to walk in that. We need to walk in that precept of God offers me something, I receive it by grace through faith. That's how we live. So that hope, I want you to underline that hope in your Bible, and I want you to circle hope, and I want you to say, hope is not what I used to think, because I know I thought that way. Hope is not a hope and maybe or not. A hope is a sure thing. It's a, a, an expectation of what is certain. An expectation of what is certain. Is your hope in Christ? Is your hope in his word? It's a certain, certain hope. It's going to happen. Verse 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor of our soul. Wow. Interesting he said soul, isn't it? Remember in our spirit body connection, the soul being the middle valve. And it's interesting that God says we have the hope, a trustworthy hope, a strong hope that is an anchor stability, a sure thing for our souls to depend on. Where's, where is it happening? The spirit knows God's word. The soul is the one that's got to decide whether they're going to believe it or not. And the body's the one waiting for the soul to believe so the body can get the benefits. Right? So the anchor is all based in this covenant. The anchor, the hope, is in this promise that God made and swore by himself so that in this covenant relationship, we could trust and know and that we can go to him with his promises and be sure that when we pray, he hears us. That's why in the new covenant, one of the promises Jesus said, and when every word that Jesus came out of Jesus' mouth is part of our covenant. He was laying out all those through his whole life. His three years of ministry, he was speaking out what the new covenant was going to contain. That's why he said, Ask anything in my name and I'll do it. That's covenant language, church. Ask anything in my name and I'll do it for you. Wow. That wasn't just a, he just didn't say it because he had a good coffee that morning. He said it because he was talking covenant language and he talked to you and he said, hey, you know, part of our new covenant is going to be, you can ask anything in my name, I'm going to do it for you. What? Do you see how important the soul is? Do you see why that's an anchor of the soul is that we have that confidence in God's word that he's going uh, to maintain his integrity to his word and his promises? That's why he could say, every promise of God is yes and amen. That's a covenant promise. Tons of covenant language in the whole New Testament. He even took things, he changed things a little bit. He said, hey, when you, uh, you used to say that when you were mad at somebody, you know, that was okay, but, you, you know, and then he said, but now I say if you think evil about someone in your heart, that's murder. Yeah. Remember, he changed that. He did it, he did it for uh, lust, too. He said back then, you know, you could do that. You, you could do, write your certificate and get divorced and all that stuff. It's like, now, but if you think on a woman and lust for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Yeah. So he brought things deeper, and that was New Covenant language. He was showing you what was part of the New Covenant. The new covenant says, oh yeah, by the way, uh, if you lust in your heart for a woman, that's like committing murder, and that's a breaking of the covenant. Wait, but I thought we're, once we're saved, we're, so what happens? We all, are we all covenant breakers? Yeah, we've all broken it. Well, 1 John 1, 9, if you break the covenant, just confess it and 
Ask God to forgive you, and he'll make you what? In right standing, righteous. He'll bring you back to a right standing in the covenant relationship with God. Are you with me? That's pretty exciting. Oh, man, if we're going to have a side note or a footnote in our covenant, it's going to be that, right? Are you, are you with me? That's good stuff. So this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's an important concept, but we're not going to have time to go into that. In your notes, the next fill in the blank is this. The new covenant is an anchor for my faith in his promises. Don't forget that, church. The new covenant through Christ is an anchor, a surety, a sure thing, a hope right? The, the biblical hope for my faith in all his promises. I hope in his promises, not meaning I may or not, it's a certainty that it's going to happen as I trust and have faith in his word. So I want to get into three primary areas of wholeness, but we're only going to do one this morning. I'll keep it brief, but I want to talk about wholeness and I want to talk about holiness, I know that's kind of a tough word. When you talk about holiness, you get into traditions. And I don't know, when I think of holiness, sometimes you think about old church wearing a suit and tie, right? Wearing, wearing dresses. The, all the girls had to wear dresses. And the lady that played the organ and piano, right? They had to, the lady had to wear a bun, right? So, so tight, right, that it crossed her eyes a little bit. So holiness, well, a lot of the time was... Yes, the Wesleyan Wad. That's a good name for it, and I'm glad that's over. We think of holiness, and a lot of times with the word holiness, it tends to make us think of external things. Like, I got to do this and not do that, and do this, and rules and regulations. But really, holiness is much deeper than that. And I want to lay the foundation here in Leviticus on your notes. There says Leviticus 19, 1 through 2. But it's a familiar verse. You've heard it before, I'm sure. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So that's a big ticket. God's telling you and me, I'm holy and I want you to be holy. That, puts, that feels pressure right away if you're not careful in how you read it. Because, man, i got to be holy like you. That's impossible, right? Yeah, without Christ, it is. We can't be holy like him without Jesus, but let's look into more of this. So, number one, holiness is oneness with the character of God. Now, this is important in our journey towards wholeness or living the abundant life or exercising all of our rights in the covenant we have with God, is holiness. We've got to come into oneness with the character of God. Holiness is your first step into walking in the power of the Spirit of God. If you don't have holiness in your life, you cannot walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Holiness must be a part of your life. True holiness is a very desirable thing. Holiness is an inside thing that works out. Oneness with the character of God. You know, holiness really is, if I had to kind of define it for us, holiness is being, in your notes there, number two, is set apart for a specific purpose. Set apart for a specific purpose. 
God's people in the Old Testament were set apart for specific. They were a chosen generation. First Peter says we are that too. But they were a chosen people set apart from all the rest of the world to be God's special people. They were set apart for a specific purpose. And holiness is more about that than about following rules and regulations. Because following rules and regulations starts on the external and works in, versus true holiness starts on the inside and works out. Number three is this. Holiness is more about not separated from, but separate to God. In the Old Testament, and even in the New Jesus, or uh, separation from this or that meant holiness. Separate yourself from this. That's what Jesus called tradition. Remember he bagged on the Pharisees for their traditions that screwed them up. In fact, it screwed them up so bad that he said the traditions of men have kept the word of God of no effect in your life. So separate unto God is the key, not separating yourself from... See, too many people... Uh, get in the rules and regulations. I'm sure as you've witnessed, you've heard people say, oh, yeah, all you Christians is do's and don'ts and I can't do this and that and it's all about rules and regulations, right? No, it's really not. True holiness is more about being separated unto God than not being able to do this or that. Jesus criticized criticized the outward show of this in, in Matthew 23. Remember when Jesus criticized the fact that the Pharisees were concerned about how they looked on the external, but their hearts weren't right. Listen to this. He said in Matthew 23, 7, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Listen to the contemporary English version, same, same scripture. You Pharisees and teachers are in for trouble. You're nothing but show-offs. You like tombs that have been whitewashed. On the outside, they're beautiful, but on the inside are full of bones and filth. That's what you're like. Outside, you look good, but inside, you are evil and only pretend to be good. So it's, it's always been about the heart with God. God has always primarily been concerned here before he's concerned with what you're doing because he knows if here's right, here's right. So the things you're do and not do, see, then all the rules that God gave in the Old Testament take on a different meaning when you look at true holiness. Because holiness being one with the character of God starts a process in us that works out of us to where our actions are no longer, oh, I can't do that or I need to do this becomes like, oh, I don't want to do that. That would keep me from fullness with God, right? Like, I don't want to go get wasted. I don't want to drink to an excess and be drunk because that wouldn't bring me into the character of God. There I'd miss out on the fullness of God. So my whole, the holiness in me goes, no, ooh. Not because I, that's good or not. Some of it's very sin is good and tempting for a season, right? No, but it, what the produces is what's there. And it also works in the other effect where you look at, you got to meditate on the word day and night. Oh man, I got to read my Bible every day, man. It can be, oh, I got to do my devotions, man. Pastor Doug keeps saying, get in the journal and read your Bible every day, man. This is all these rules, too much pressure for me. Or holiness from the inside out goes, oh, I get to read the word. That is going to make me more like Jesus. I'm going to start understanding how he thinks, and I'm going to understand how he feels. I'm going to understand how he starts thinking about different subject matter, and then I'm going to start thinking the same way. 
oh my goodness, why don't I do this morning and night? Psalms 1-1, be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Meditate on his word day and night. Get in the word. So it becomes, holiness has, gives you a different perspective. And remember, holiness is key, guys, to living the abundant life. If you don't want to walk in holiness, you're not going to see the abundant life. You're not going to see, you could try and memorize scripture and do all the things that the world is said to do to, to live a powerful, anointed life and get people healed and all that. But until you learn that holiness, uh, the step of holiness, you're not going to have that. And remember, all this was for his, number four, all for his divine pleasure. It's for his purposes, all for his divine pleasure. Ephesians 1.9 says, God now revealed to us his mystery plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. See, holiness and what he wants us to do is for the good of you, for his good pleasure purposes, so that we can know from starting in here in holiness, it's going to produce what's good in our lives. He's doing it for our benefit. Well, let's move right along. Next thing I want to look at is holiness begins with the right attitude. You want to walk in holiness? It's going to start with your heart and your attitude. The first thing I want you to get in your hearts is my wife, my beautiful assistant, passes out um, the first one. I belong to God. So there in the check mark underneath, holiness begins with the right attitude. I want you to write in there, I belong to God. Holiness starts with having the right attitude of who you are and what you are and who you belong to. I belong to God. Would you say that back? I belong to God. Say it again. I belong to God. Close your eyes, picture yourself, and say it again. I belong to God. Do you believe that? I hope so. Because without that belief system in your heart, you will never walk in holiness. You have to understand that you belong to Him. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Church, once you, once you confess Christ as Lord and Savior in your life, you became not your own. You don't belong to yourself. You don't have say over yourself. You belong to God. He owns you, and that's a good thing, church. You're part of his family. You're his son and your daughter, his daughter, and that's a good thing, and that's the beginning to understanding the power of God comes through holiness, being set apart for a specific purpose. Holiness means set apart. You have been set apart, church. And you got to start with the concept, I belong to God. So this will dictate what you do. If you belong to God, are you going to walk in sin? Are you going to continue in your sexual immorality? You're watching porn on the internet? Your sin? No, because it's not about not doing that or not. It's about who you are. I belong to God. That's not king's business. Why would I go do that? That's silly. I've got better things to do than to be warped and twisted down with sin so that I can't be who God's called me to be and take this world for Christ and have the power of God flowing through me so people can get healed, set free, and delivered and free from the devil's grip. But you can't do that until you start with holiness. 
You've got to be holy. You've got to have the right attitude that I belong to God. And I gave you those stickers, church, because I want you to, that's just a thing, but you can do more of them. And I want you to stick them on your windows, on your car, on your computer, wherever you're at work. I want you to get that ingrained. You've got to get the word of God in your heart. It'll change your soul. And if your soul changes, your body will change and follow suit. Get in your heart, church, that you belong to him. You belong to God. And so put that somewhere this afternoon. And do more. Put more scriptures in. Get more scripture into your life. You're speaking the scriptures of God that change you, that make you holy. How about Philippians 4.19? My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. You struggling financially? You wondering what's going to happen next week, next month with bills or wherever you're going in life? God will supply all your needs. Write a sticker that says, God supplies all my needs. I knew one of my teachers that a lot of this material has come from. His name's Tom Manning. He's, he's with the Lord now, but he's a great teacher. And he used to write on his checks every time, Philippians 4.19, especially when he wrote his tithe. God will supply all my needs. It's a way to get scripture in your life, guys. You've got to get the word in your life. You've got to meditate on it because nothing, you can't get holiness down. You won't change in your soul on your own. You can't will it. You can't do it in your own effort. You need the power of God's word in your heart, meditating and changing you and renewing you daily because it's the power of his word that changes your mindset to know that you belong to him. Amen? Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We sang it today. We sang it today. We're not a slave to fear anymore. If you've been afraid and you're walking in fear, get that scripture, write a thing, put it on your mirror, meditate on it, get it in your memory, in your heart, and down in your heart so that you can have that truth and start walking in it. The next check mark is I live to serve God. This is where holiness becomes a decision that you make. I live to serve God. It's a choice that you have to make every day, but you've got to understand that that's who you are if you want to walk in holiness. No one can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24. For either they will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And it's not about money more than the world system. You cannot serve two different gods. You serve one or the other. You can't serve two. You've got to make your choice of who you're going to serve. You have to have the premise, I live to serve God. In fact, when you wake up in the morning, I challenge you this whole week, when you wake up, the first thing, have these notes somewhere right by, so when you wake up, the first thing you do before you even think about anything, check Facebook, get on your phone, drink coffee, anything, wake up, sit up in bed, grab that piece of paper and say, I belong to God. And then get your first foot on the floor. I live to serve him. I live to serve him. Are you with me on the concept of holiness here? You are set apart for a specific purpose. You are set apart for God's own pleasure. And if you have that idea in your heart, I live to serve God, then you will start walking not only in holiness, but you'll start finding yourself walking in wholeness. The right attitude, next fill in the blank, the right attitude about who you are will produce Christ-like actions in what you do. So the right attitude about who you are will produce Christ-like actions in what you do. Don't focus on your actions. Focus on your heart and your attitude and your actions will take suit and change. Ephesians 4.22 Put off your old self 
which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Where's the mind? Where's the mind? In the soul part of your life. So be renewed in the spirit or the attitude of your mind. Get your mind attitude changed and put on your new self. See the decision you got to make. Putting on your new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Guys, your good behavior will glorify God. And the cool thing about glorifying God, that's awesome, but it also bring others to him. Your good behavior, if you decide to have the right attitude in your heart, and it changes the way you live on the outside, people are going to recognize that and start coming to you and asking questions like, why are you different? Why are you so happy? What's up with you? How do you handle this situation? But if you don't have true holiness starting inside, knowing who you are, that you belong to God, that you live to serve God, that your life is not your own, you've been bought with a price, if you don't have that attitude in your heart, then people aren't going to be asking you about your life and saying, hey, what's different? Tell me your secret. So if they're not asking you those questions on a regular basis, I want you to spend more time on your soul. I want you to spend more time on being dedicated and separated unto God's work in your life. Church, we got a lot of work to do. We don't have, see, if you think about it, the devil has made it perfect to distract us. The enemy has made our culture and technology so great to keep us all buried in some other fantasy land that we are spending no time doing really the work of the ministry and God's called us to do. We have a certain number of days left. Your days are numbered. My days are numbered. And also the days of existence are numbered too. Jesus is coming back for you and me, a church that is ready to receive him. We don't know the day or the hour, guys. We don't know when Christ is coming back. But once he comes back, that's that's it. That's the cutoff line. And you have better made your choices because everything is going to be judged. Every word that comes out of your mouth, all the thoughts you've had, everything's going to be judged, church. You need to be ready for this time. We need to get out of the distractions of the enemy in the world and get focused on God's word and our heart's attitude being right. And when we do that, our lifestyle starts to change. Things in our life start to change. Even good things, healing, new jobs, stuff like that will be a byproduct of a holy life. Holiness is key, guys. Holiness is a lifestyle. Holiness is also a process. It's a focus on the inside that works out. Listen to this. You'll never live a holy life until you know what's on the inside. You'll never live a holy life until you know what's on the inside. You know, I don't know about you growing up, and I, I was fortunate to have good parents, but I've known some kids that when they grew up, their parents said, you're stupid, you're an idiot, and put them down. And, and basically, they're called word curses. Got word cursed their whole time. And the crazy thing about that is that it can work both ways. You can bless your kids and speak life in them, or you can curse your kids, which goes right in their soul and starts creating their identity on who they are. And then people wonder why their behavior is bad. They wonder why they act out in certain ways. They, they wonder why they're so on, on drugs and, and can't even uh, you know, be, uh, concentrate without a, a medicine. Because it's a heart issue, it's a soul issue, and that's where God needs to come in and heal. But the power of the words on the inside, the power of, of believing who you are here is so intense, guys, that we need to understand that, that no amount of human 
effort will change your holiness. Only Christ can do that. Only Christ can show you who you are. Only Jesus can make you holy. You can't make yourself holy. A letter C says this, God sees you right now through this whole process as holy in Christ. I put parentheses for the end part because that's an important thing. God sees you holy in Christ even while you're becoming holy. (laughs) Isn't that funny? While you're becoming holy, God already sees you holy. As you're you're trying to come to complete and wholeness, God already sees you whole. He is your wholeness. It's through him. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, who became to us righteousness, who became to us sanctification and redemption, so that as is written, let no one boast but boast in the Lord. It's the Lord who makes us righteous. It's the Lord who makes us holy and separated unto him. And one of your last letters there, D, is this. Holiness is the product of obedience to God's word. So here's a a sweet little key that we'll end with today. We're almost done. Hang in there. I know I went a little long, but that's okay. It's good stuff. Holiness is the product of obedience to God's word. You want to be holy? Start looking at the word as a mirror and start aligning yourself to it. Okay? Every time you see something in God's word, conform to it. That's the first steps in becoming holy. God says, Do, be kind and love, you love. God says, confess your sin, you confess it. God, whatever God says in his word, conform to that principle, that precept, that way of life. Conform to it. And in that process, don't forget, though, the whole time you're trying and you're doing your own. The, Paul says, work out your own salvation, right? So Paul says that this is going to be a process of sanctification. But at the same time, when you're working out to be holy, you're conforming. When you see the word, you conform to it, that whole process, you're holy in Christ the whole time. Even though sometimes you don't feel like it, sometimes you let yourself down, you're disappointed, that's okay. Get back up on your feet, confess your sins, ask God to forgive you, and get right back up. And I'm holy in Christ. Okay, I'm going to conform. But see, so many people today with this grace dysfunction, I call it grace dysfunction, because they think, oh, I'm saved and I don't have to do any effort to conform to God's word anymore. Just because we are complete in Christ doesn't mean we still put, don't put forth the effort to conform to his word. That's a requirement in our covenant with God. Read the word, meditate on the word day and night, hide the word of God in your heart that you may not sin against. All covenant language, guys, the New Testament and the Old Testament are full of it. We need to know it because we need to know that part of the agreement that we have with God is that we obey him. And that because of that obedience gives us the right to call on the covenant and believe for promises. We can't, want, we can't expect to disobey God's word and expect us to benefit from his good stuff. Would you stand up for real quick? You're going to be God. So, Jen, I want you to say to me, do not worry about anything, Doug. Do not worry about anything, Doug. Okay, so if that's part of our covenant agreement, so now I have a chance to worry. If I allow myself to be in worry and fear, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. What's going to happen to the rivers? Are we going to be able to, blah, 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 blah. And I'm worried, and then I start getting sick because of my anxiety and, and all that. Fear. Anxious thoughts will produce sickness, guaranteed. So now I'm going, God, heal me. 
God, why aren't you answering me? I'm sick. What's wrong? What are you doing? This is our covenant. The Bible said blah, blah, blah. What's God going to say back to me? So look, so check this out. I'll end with this because this was really good. This is what I saw today in, in the vision during worship. Um, so you're there. I want you to stay there. Uh, oh, no. Actually, you can sit down. Craig, you're bigger and bulkier. That's a good, it's a good thing. Craig was a wrestler in high school. You don't want to get a wrestler. Stand over there. You're going to be God. You're okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I need a. Uh, let's uh, pick on someone else. Who wants to uh, volunteer? Anybody? Volunteer? Volunteer? Okay, I'll start picking people. Yeah, you. I know you want to come. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Okay. Um, Brad, James, Brad, get up. Come on, hurry up. Will, come on. Need you. Okay. So check this. This is the vision I kept seeing. Okay. You guys kind of surround her. You guys are like demons. Okay. <laughs> So I, so, so she's trying to believe for a promise, right? And so I just, you know, swords, you guys, just kind of act like you're blah, 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 blah. And she's crying out to God, right? And so, and God's over here, but he's got the covenant agreement, right? And so remember that song? Can you get up real quick, closing? Play that, play that song, um, no, kick down, every wall I kick down, break down. I want you to play that segment of it, okay? So as Chris plays a song, um, there's no wall he won't break, kick down. What's the words? <laughs> Forgetting the words. Huh? No shadow won't light up. Mountain will climb up. Wall tear down. Start singing, Chris. He knows it. <laughs> so Chris, sing that. start singing right now, just kind of in the background. So this is the vision I had. I had someone over here, Christian, girl, getting thrashed by the enemy. And we've all been there, just getting our butts kicked, right? So come on, you guys can stay in motion. I know it's hard. But, but this is what I saw. So keep singing, Chris. That's awesome. Get on your knees. Kind of act like you're crying out, like, God, help me, save me. So this is what I'm seeing, guys, as we worship. So the enemies are, are tearing her up. And we're singing this song. And God, Craig here, he's strong. He could probably take these guys out. But because he's God, he can for sure take them out. And I'm thinking, there's people out here that think, why isn't God kicking down my walls to come get me and rescue me? Because I'm hurting. And some of you today are hurting inside in your hearts. But you, your external won't show it because you're afraid. And some of you are battling sickness. And some of you are battling emotional stuff. Some of you are battling the past. And you're like this girl crying out. And it's like, God, why aren't you going? And God's just waiting for you because he made a covenant with you. And part of that covenant says, say unto that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You ask anything in my name, we'll do it. But what's the key? Say so she's complaining, oh, God, save me. I need your help. And God's like, oh, I got to go. And I saw God. Oh, and it's like, no, you can't. Not because he couldn't, but because his word 
holds him. He has to obey the word. His word, he spoke it. He's not going to defy his word. And he wants, he wants to go rescue her. He wants to go take those guys out. He wants to go as strong as he can. But because she hasn't spoken out in faith and called him the covenant, but the minute you do, you say to God, your covenant says that if I ask you anything in your name, you'll do it. Will you come rescue me? He's going to run to you. He's going to run with everything he has in him, right, to rescue you. And what I saw in the, the worship song was God just wanting to so bad. But because we lack knowledge, the Bible says people perish for the lack of knowledge. And a lot of us are going through. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. A lot of us perish because we don't know the word. We don't know how to call in the covenant. We don't have the confidence. We don't know what the word says. And you got to know the covenant so you can call on it. You've got to believe that God's covenant is real. That's why he swore by himself so that you would be confident when you're in trouble, when you're facing stuff, that you would call out on God and say, God, your word says, your your covenant says with me that you'll supply all my needs, that you'll be my healer when I need it. All this great stuff. But if we don't ask, if we don't speak out the words, we've got to speak it out. Say unto the mountain, be removed. Speak unto your mountain, church. Speak out the covenant. Don't just say, God, I help me, I got this done. No, speak out his word back to God. You were there in Christ in that covenant. All of us were in Christ. He was our mediator. He was our representative. We were all standing there in Jesus right in front of God, as he was making promises to us. We were there. It was us. You and me were each there. We all have this right now. All you got to do is meditate on the word, get it in your hearts, and start crying out his word back to you. What activates God? His word. Faith, because that is faith. When you reach out in his word, you're exercising faith. You're trusting him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. Oh God, we worship you, Lord. We thank you so much. Oh God, and I've I've spoken what you told me to spoke. And I've I've said the words that you told me to speak, God. And now it's still not enough, God. We need your spirit. We need your Holy Spirit to work on the hearts in this room. Lord, we need your Holy, and I know you've been working Holy Spirit, but we need you to infuse in our hearts this precious, desperate need to call on your word. Lord, would you show us, God, how desperate we really are? I know there's a lot of hearts here, God, that are struggling, and on the outside, they're trying to make it all neat and tidy because none of us really want to look messed up in front of other people. But God, I know in their hearts, they're really... There's something hard going on. There's a difficulty, a a deep hurt, something in the past, even the present, God. But Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can point that out. You're the only one that can show light on that and help us see our need for you. Because Lord, we know you're running towards us. You want to come, God, but we need to call out on you. And if you're here this morning and you got a big need in your life and you're believing God for, I want you to call out on him. And I want you to just, no one's looking around, but just kind of raise your hand towards heaven. Not to raise your hand that you're in agreement, but you're going to reach out to God. God, I'm reaching out to you by faith today. 
I got something big in my life that I need your help with. Oh God, I just, as a sign of surrender, I, I throw up my hand and I say, Oh God, help me know your word. Help me call out on the covenant, Lord. Your word is your truth. Your truth sets free, God. And so, Lord, would you help me call out on the promises of God that will help me in my times of trouble. And if there's sin, Lord, I repent. Oh, God, I repent of any sin, Lord. I know that I've messed up. I know that I've been in unbelief and doubt. Lord, I know that I've been afraid when I shouldn't have been. I've been anxious. Lord, I know sometimes I've trusted in my own power, my own strength, God, but I repent of that. And I call on the covenant God. I call on Jehovah Rapha, the healer. I call on Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Lord, I call on the God who never leaves me. I call on the God, the creator of all things that can create something out of nothing. I'm calling on your covenant, God. Come rescue me. I need your help. Oh, Lord, we bless your name this morning. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if there's anyone here today that you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you've never made him the Lord of your life, You've never come into your initial covenant with God, which is through Christ. And you want to get in that nice little contract we talked about with God. If that's something you want to do, Jesus is the only way. You've got to come through the door gate and his name is Jesus. The only way you can get into that type of relationship with the most powerful being in the universe is through Jesus Christ. And you can be in that covenant with God, that agreement with God forever by making a simple choice to trust Jesus today. If you want to do that, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray with you the prayer of faith. And you can be saved today and in contract with God and have this relationship with him for the rest of your life. Is there anyone here that would say, yeah, I want to do that. It's a free gift. It's all yours, but you just have to acknowledge that you want it. Is there anyone here this morning that say, Pastor Doug, that's me. I want that. I want to pray. I want to ask Christ into my life. I want to be, him to be the Lord of my life. Anyone here this morning say, that's me. Raise your hand up if that's you. Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart. All right, Lord, you've seen all of our hearts. You know us. God, we're thankful that not just in church, but any time we can call on your name. But Lord, help us to know that we can't wait because we were not promised tomorrow. Tomorrow may not come, Lord. We have to understand that. So, Lord, today's the day of salvation. Lord, help us to know that you love us and have a plan for us. God, help us to be holy. Help us to walk in true holiness. Help us to walk knowing who we are. Lord, we belong to you. Lord, we live to serve you. Oh, God, we just freshly rededicate our hearts and our lives to you this morning. By just saying in our heart and in our mouths, I belong to you. I live to serve you, God. I'm yours, Lord. Oh, we just commit to you fresh and anew right now. It feels so good just to confess that to you, God. Helps me feel secure when I say I belong to the Most High God. Oh, God, thank you for your goodness, and we'll love you forever and ever because you're worth it and you're faithful. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Love you guys.
see you next week. Don't forget about all the good stuff and your bulletins for what's going on at the church. And hey, would you stand up and hug somebody before you go and tell them you belong to God.